I'm convinced that living a life with Jesus is the best way to live, and I'm going to try my best to honor your time today, but it's the best way to live, and when we submit to him, our lives are better in every single way. When we put God first, and we talked a little bit, a little bit about it um, in first word, but when we put him first, the rest of our lives fall in order. And if we get this backwards and we, we get things out of order, then it affects important things in our lives, and I believe that our future and our, and our daily lives will suffer. So last week, we discovered that when we surround ourselves by people and have good, godly relationships, I, I, I believe that when you have people in the boat rowing the same way you're rowing, you get there quicker and you get there easier and you get there better. Amen? Sometimes you've got to encourage somebody to come on, but you want to be in a place and where there's some strength in that. Sometimes it's important for us to focus on having better relationships to experience the life that God has for us. And so today we're looking about we're looking at going to a little a little different place, obviously, and, and talking about our our choices. And we have the power to spend our choices on whatever we want. Our decisions can go whichever way we want. I I want to reflect, and I don't often do this, but a comedian named Jim Gaffigan, not the most wholesome person in all the world, but I was able to laugh because in my generation, we introduced um, one of the greatest snacks of all time. It had the greatest marketing of all time. And the marketing, when someone got paid, Pastor Austin, to come in and sit down in front of a team, and they said, okay, what do you have? They said, well, I've been looking at our product. I've been thinking about what we're wanting to sell and try to, try to market to America, and here's what I got. Hot pocket. That's what you got? Yes, sir. It's been four months, and you're paying me $50,000 for this marketing, and here's what I got. Hot pocket. <laughs> okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> and from there, hot pockets sold no telling. I, I didn't get the numbers on how much, but, but this is where Gaffigan kind of picks up. He, he delivers this, this kind of the, the humor behind Hot Pockets because they came into every home. We had them. You'd wrap them in the box. Anybody remember these days? Who has Hot Pockets in your house right now? Lord bless them. Come on now. Hot Pockets. And so you take them out. You put them in the box, right? You put them in the box. You put them in the microwave. The edges get really, really, really overdone, but the middle is oftentimes pretty good if I remember right. You got to make sure you know your microwave, by the way. You got to have a relationship with that microwave, or you're going to, you know, you, you might go to your friend's microwave and theirs is it's exploding. But, but you, you have these things, and the reality is, is they, were, they were marketed as a great, great, great snack. And so we went with it. We said, yes, I'll take this snack, and, and I'll, I will have them in my home at all times. And again, we grew up this way. Um, my dad was here at the church building. My mom was working to make everything work in Texarkana. We'd come home, and, and that's really what, what built this temple. I'll tell you that right now. And so we, we, did I, should I regret that? But we ate a lot of Hot Pockets growing up. And the worst is when you get the box out and they're empty. And whoever puts the box back, an empty box, into the freezer, the Lord will have a place Set aside, like on the back side. Of this, you're going to have streets of silver, maybe. That's not in the Bible, but maybe. But 
but he talks about this and he says the whole world took these on. The whole, you know, America at least took these on. But the reality is, is no one ever asked, are they good for us? Like what's in them? I'm sure the ingredients are probably 4,800 words in the back. There's no telling what's in them, but the reality is, is that we embrace often because of this. If it tastes good, we consume it. We often make decisions on what pleases us, what tastes good to us. Proverbs 14, way, 14 and uh, 12, and I'm not sure, I, I forgot, I gave first word slides. I don't know if I gave these slides to the back, but hopefully she's getting these scriptures. But thank you, Emma, for the help. 14 and 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You and I think this is the way. You and I believe this is the way. You and I desire, if I can put it this way, our default is to go that way. But the Bible says its end is the way of death. Without proper wisdom, our decisions are based on personal needs at the moment. What I need now, what I've got to have now, what I've got to do now. And Aristotle, obviously a scholar, but not a biblical scholar, but this quote I believe can fit here. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. When you and I begin to understand who we are and what our default cravings are, we soon become overcomers. We identify and we know ourselves as being this being the starting point or the beginning. Everything starts at self-identity. We must desire to become better in any way possible. One way to be better in my life or in your life is to make better choices make better choices. We could talk about diet. We could talk about spending. We could talk about time. We could talk about the things we dealt with in first word. We could talk about friends. We could talk about all the above. We could talk about anything you could find. We could talk about ethanol or ethanol free. We could talk about premium or plus. We could talk about Walmart or Target. I don't know, but you go there. Anyways, we could talk about all these things, but we've got to make, find a way to make better choices. Better choices in my personal life begins with me fearing. God. William Gurnall said, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. A desire to make better decisions in our lives more likely stems, or more than likely stems from a series of bad ones in the past. We must make intentional changes. We must desire to have different outcomes. We must have some sort of filter to protect ourselves from toxic things that may come in. The book of Proverbs gives us this, this way or understanding of, of dealing and, and, and how to live with wisdom in its very first chapter. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But just stop and tell you real fast, if you cannot have anybody instruct you on a better way to do something or how maybe you should have done something differently, the Bible calls you something. I didn't call you that, but the Bible has a word for you. The author tells us that the beginning of wisdom is having a fear of God. The idea of fearing God seems to go against the biblical teaching that we are loved by God. 
Why would we fear him if he loves us? And how does that help us in making better choices? This word for fear can be best understood as something different than fear, as in I'm scared or, or it frightened me. But no, it's, it's actually reverence or respect. It's actually a little bit different. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reverence. I revere him. I have respect for him. I, I fear him with reverence and respect is what it's speaking of. When we begin with a deep reverence and respect for God because of his position before us as all powerful creator in our position before him as fallible humans, we begin to live with wisdom in our everyday choices. Ray Comfort once said it like this, when men don't fear God, they give themselves to evil. When we are given a list of uh, 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 toxic choices that seem like a good choice at the moment, we sometimes need to have a, a kind of a reason to flee. The reason is fear, reverence, and respect of the Almighty God. When nothing seems to work, then we should have enough reverence to say, God, I'm backing off. When nothing seems good, nothing seems wholesome, then we should have a respect to back away. I remember being a kid. I'm going to shoot you straight for a moment. I was a kid. I was with some friends, and they pulled off on the side. Now it's been developed, but there was a little cul-de-sac over here back near Pinnacle area. And my friends, they were with me and they wanted to stop for a moment. And they pulled out a few things and they lit up and they looked at me and said, hey, do you want one of these? I said, no, I'm good. And they said, well, when you want one of these? I said, no, I'm good. My problem was it wasn't an A or B decision. I had to look at them and say, no, I actually revere and respect him more than to ever let myself become dependent upon anything that I put in my mouth and has to go through my body, I revere the things of God. If you're in that place now, I don't judge you. However, I would encourage you to say that you should be dependent on nothing but Him. And if you need help in that, we're a body that will help you. We'll help you overcome anything that you might have found yourself addicted to. But I want to know now how to make better choices. Is that all right? You shouldn't feel any judgment from me. If, you, if you've been addicted to something or you're addicted to something now, this is the place where you can break that addiction. We've got a program on Thursday nights to help you get through that. If you're hurt, we can get through that. If you have hangups, we can help you get through that. I believe the altar can change you, and I believe the instruction on Thursday nights can help you and change you as well. But I still have a responsibility to make better choices. I've got to make better choices in my life. Even a trace of toxin can be harmful. So I've got to know that all of it begins with the fear of God. Sometimes our minds and our hearts can try to fool us into believing that just a little bit of bad choices won't make much of a difference. We can, we can dip our toe and, and, and take a taste and it won't affect, uh, affect us negatively. And, 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 and even a trace of toxins, even a small remote of toxins can be harmful. The book of James speaks to this fact in chapter 2. The author is addressing the listener's interest in only 
focusing on certain parts of the law while disregarding other parts as if they were applying different levels of severity to each sin, making some big problems and making some not such a big deal. But James 2 and 10 says, For whosoever, I'm sorry, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. You see, when we make a choice to break the law, even in a way that may seem small or insignificant or it's not really going to bother me and no one's ever going to know and it won't affect me, we are now realizing, we must realize that we are guilty of breaking all the laws of God. Bad choices in any area bring the same consequences as bad choices in every area. I've got to be full of the things of God, and I must desire to always choose the things of God. Is this all right? Reality is is that sin will always take us further than we want to go. Sin will always push you to go to the next place. It'll always give you a craving for the next thing. And so I've got to make sure that I'm careful with my choices. And there's a way to get there. A man named Dr. Ralph Sotman once wrote about an experience he had while standing on the edge of Niagara Falls. One clear, cold March day, he was standing there and he wrapped in this winter garment the giant falls glisten in the bright sun, he, he writes. As some birds swoop down to snatch a drink in the middle of this cold front, they, dra- they grabbed a drink of this clear water. Sockman's companion told how he had seen birds carried over the edge of the precipice. As they, as they dipped down for a drink, tiny droplets, tiny little droplets from the waterfall were being launched out and, and they, were, they were landing on the birds and now Quickly, these tiny droplets would meet the cold air, and, and they, were, they were now turning into ice on the wings of these birds, and the wings were now being weighed down, and their bodies were being so weighed down that they couldn't rise above the cascading waters, flapping their wings as best they could. They're now being held down by the weight of small choices and small drinks of small things. And they kept on now going back for more, not realizing what it was doing. And then they began to say that they saw bird after bird fall into the waters. Bird after bird would now be lying at the bottom of the waters there. They could not come out of it. Why? Because of small choices with big weight and big, big, big consequences that would ultimately take their ability to fly a it and I know it doesn't seem like a lot sometimes and I know being a part or, 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 or embarking on this or having that or doing this doesn't seem like much but let me let me tell you it doesn't seem like a lot but there's things that are weighing on you there's things that are being attached to you there's things you're allowing in there's things that now are there and you may not know exactly what it means and you may not know why you feel what you feel but what I've come to tell you is sometimes the small all choices that seem insignificant begin to weigh you down and one after another begins to place you in a posture of struggle that you've never seen before. The conditions change. The, the atmosphere changes. This should be a warning to each and every one of us that little choices, little choices may not seem like a big deal, but they have a consequence as well. So when it comes to making better choices in our lives, there's often some, some gray area 
that can be difficult to navigate. We don't all agree on what should be avoided, and, and sometimes we struggle with what could be permitted. But I believe there is a simple question that we can ask ourselves that really would be a help to anybody, no matter, no matter where you are in your walk with God, no matter where you come from. Here's the question that I would ask myself if I were you. Just because I can does not mean I should. The question would even be this. Just because I could, does that mean I should? Let me answer that. Just because you can does not mean that you should. As humans and as just people with these minds that sometimes struggle, walking in flesh, spirit-filled, trying to operate in this world, God has given each of us an incredible gift. It's a gift it's a gift that he's given everybody, and it can be a double-edged sword. The gift is this. It's free choice. We've been given a portion of authority to make decisions over our lives that affect us and, and also others. And, and we, can, we can choose what we will wear each day. We can choose what we're going to watch, what we're going to listen to. We can choose how we speak to people or about people. We have a choice in the matter. But you and I must realize that we've got to understand the power of making the right choices and making better choices and asking ourselves, just because I can tear them down doesn't mean that I should tear them down. Just because I can do this or do that, does this mean that I should do this or do that? I've got to make better choices in my life. We must realize that when we make better choices in our lives, we must admit that just because we can, it doesn't mean we should. And Paul writes about this in his book, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. What he's saying is I've got free will to do whatever I want. I've got to, I, I, I can do these things, but it's not helpful to me. I can do these things, but I don't want to be tied up in this. I don't want to have this as something that is controlling me. For, for context fully, Paul specifically is addressing some of the poor decisions that the church, the early church, was making in terms of their sexuality. They, they were trying to make a case as to why it didn't really matter what they did with their bodies because they would get a new one in glory anyways. They were saying, well, the new body's going to come. I can do whatever I want. And Paul was speaking and saying this is faulty logic. This is not good things to, uh, to operating and think this isn't a good place to live just because our bodies can engage in these acts does not mean that we should make this a normal thing Paul makes the case that though we may feel like we are most free when we can do whatever we want the reality is that you're actually mastered by sin when we make unwise choices I wish I had somebody who would just agree with me every once in a while I, I, I don't know where we went and where everybody else went. I know it's been a long week, but if you, wanted a whole, if you want an apostolic church, then you need to act like an apostolic saint. Is that all right? I know I'm reading a little bit. I'm trying to help us a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. We're a little bit too lax right now, but yet we want a move of the Holy Ghost. And if you want a move of the Holy Ghost and you want all this and that, then you've got to have it happen in your life. I'm just, I'm reading the book to you. I'm not, I'm, I'm giving you the words of the Lord. I'm, I'm reading scripture to you. 
Too many of us are stuck in our way and not stuck in his way, and we're going to move on with his way. We're going to make a little better choices. I want, I want to feel the liberty in the room. I want to feel like we're getting ready to experience something. I want someone to know that I've made choices that weren't right. But now I'm finding out I can make a choice that is right. I can see something new in my life. I can see something change in my life. I can experience new things and a hope. Is that all right? Can I challenge us just a little bit to know that the Lord is, I want the Lord to have, have liberty in this room. And I want someone that walked in after bad choice, after bad choice, after bad choice, to know that today is a day where I can make a good choice, where something can change in my life. So we've got to know it. Wisdom, he's telling us that there's a way to make these choices. And you've got to look for it. Wisdom is afforded to us if we ask for it. If you and I say, I want it, James, he speaks to this in James 1 and 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. He's saying if you can't make good choices, then you say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me right now. I'm caught up in being critical. I'm caught up in judgment. I'm caught up in being addicted. I'm caught up in looking at this or looking at that. Help Help me right now make a good choice. I need the wisdom of God in my life. He goes farther to tell us how we should ask for wisdom. He says you should ask with faith and never have doubt present in the room. Doubt will tell you you can't make a good choice. Doubt will say you'll never make it. Doubt will say you don't have it. Doubt will say you don't qualify. Doubt will say you're not good enough. Doubt will say it's never going to change in your life. But faith says, God, you're going to give me the ability to make a good choice. You're going to give me the ability to do the right thing, God. You will help me. So I've got to ask. I've got to ask and have faith in it. I've got to ask and believe. I'm coming to a close right now. But I'm, what I'm trying to speak to somebody about today, what I'm trying to ignite in your spirit, what I'm trying to relay by using simply the Word of God today, is if you've walked in and you feel like you're not doing the best you can, then we're on part three of becoming better. And what I've said so far in this lesson, in this, this, this series, is I've got to make Him first. I've got to make Him first in every area of my life. I've got to look around and make sure that those that are with me are going the same place I'm going. I've got to have better relationships. I've got to invest in those relationships. Not just people that think like me in every area, but maybe someone who challenges me, but it's going in the same direction with me. Just, just preaching the word to you right now. Be honest with you, I feel as if we're starting the year off with a little bit of a block. We're getting used to some of the things God's doing. We've gotten kind of used to the community. We've gotten kind of used to some of the stuff. And I feel as if the enemy's coming and tapping on the door to say, you know what? Maybe it's, maybe it's not going to be. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe this or that. Let me tell you right now. Let me tell you what God's done already in the last few months. What God has done. No man, not me or not my father who's in Redfield preaching a word today. Not me or him. Not my wife and not her. Not you. Not not that one, not this one. What God has done, what God has done has been remarkable. And how dare I ever, ever come and say, God, what you've done must not be right. What you've done must not be miraculous. You prayed for revival and God's trying to bring revival, but we're getting lax. Joe, come up here real fast. 
I just want you to stand here with me, Joe. I just want you to stand right now with me because why everybody, and I'm not picking on you, but why everybody else might have been a little tired today. Joe's been back there wiping tears. Joe's been back there because this is still new to Joe. This is still fresh to Joe. This is not old news to Joe. Here. Joe didn't have a grandma that sang those songs. Joe didn't have an uncle that did it that way. Joe didn't have a previous church that did this or did that. It's time we move on from that. It's time we realize that his relationship, my relationship, who I am in him, what I can have in him can be brand new. It can be new every day. It can be new every moment. I've got to have good choices and you did a good thing not last week you did a good thing when you said Sean I'm going to come and I'm going to sit on Thursday nights and I know it's not been easy Joe I know it's not been easy but you did a good thing you made a good choice you made a good choice when you agreed to take over CR you made a good choice you made a good choice and you made a good choice let me tell you how it works You made a good choice when you said, I'm going to give to it. Some of you said, you know what? I was excited, but I can't do it. My time is not there. And it's okay. You made a good choice by telling him, you know what? I'm going to let you find somebody else. We need help in music. I'll be honest with you. We need help in music, but you're making good choices. But here's what I want you to get. Your choice to give. His choice to agree and her choice to agree. And them them deciding we're going to do that. And their choice. And their choice to come and cook every week and prepare the place of a week and Sheila Hollis's choice to take care of child care has now only only made it uh, uh, made it possible for someone like him to make a good choice and guess what's going to happen in Joe's life he's making another good choice and then another good choice you know what just like me Joe I mess up sometimes pinch me right there just grab hold of that is that flesh is that, is that divine flesh? Say no, that's not divine flesh. That's just, that's, that's got a little too much BMI on it, but that's flesh right there. And so that's just flesh. It's just all it is. It's just flesh. Some days I make good choices. Some days I make bad choices. Some days, here's the deal. This pastoring thing's not easy. Some days they love me. Some days like, I don't know about this guy. Some days it's difficult. Some days it's hard. Some days it's tiring. Some days I weep in the truck when I leave this place thinking, God, I need you to help us. But all I'm trying to tell you is every day I'm trying to make another good choice another good choice to serve him not as a pastor first but as a believer and someone that has to get to heaven himself first after that I'm going to make sure my family gets to heaven I'm going to make sure my kids get to heaven I'm going to make sure I'm a good husband and then from there I'm going to try my best to make a good choice in this house it's not easy sometimes but we've just got to link together good choices but how do we do that James said if you don't have wisdom then pray for wisdom pray for wisdom if you don't have it you pray for it he's going to give it to you he's going to give you the wisdom you desire let me help you understand something right now I believe this is Psalm 119 and 66 I didn't write it down but I believe I've got it here This is what the psalmist wrote. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. That judgment word is also translated as wisdom. Teach me good wisdom and knowledge for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. 
You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. Sounds like someone from the South wrote that. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. He said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes, that I may learn your statutes. It's good for me that I went through what I went through, that I might get to your place of needing you. It's good that it's it's good that it took me down that way. It's good that sometimes I got to walk through the valley. Why? Because I found in the valley that you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. He says going on in verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your world. I know, O Lord, that your judgment are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me. That I, This is somebody who wasn't there before but is getting there now. This is somebody who was broken and tired and weary but is saying, Lord, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed for they treat me wrongfully with falsehood but I will meditate on your precepts let those who fear you turn to me those who know your testimonies let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes that I may not be ashamed the emphasis on this section of Psalms is what is good for the believer not just the believer but somebody who's become a believer. What I mean by that is somebody who didn't always make good choices. Didn't always have wisdom. He said, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I want wisdom, God. I need wisdom. I can't do this on my own. Give me wisdom that goes beyond anything that's tradition and taught and anything that my father or mother or uncle or somebody else taught me. Give me wisdom to make good, godly decisions. It's between verse 65 and 72. The Hebrew word tob is used six times and can be translated as good. I just found this this morning. Can be translated as good, pleasant, beneficial, precious, delightful, and right. God does what is good because He is good. When I begin to pray for God's wisdom in a decision, what I'm saying is, God, I need you to give me wisdom right now because what you're going to help me choose is what is good. What is right? It's going to take me to a place that I can find that is, 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 is a godly decision. It's a choice I made. You say, well, I just want you to preach about the Holy Ghost. I am. I'm preaching about the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching salvation. I'm preaching truth. I'm preaching deliverance. I'm preaching harmony in the, in the body. I'm preaching unity today. I'm preaching overcoming. I'm preaching witnessing. I'm preaching love. I'm preaching kindness. You know why I'm preaching it? It's because all those things come with me making a choice. I'm deciding that I will love and I'm deciding I will be kind and I'm deciding I'll live godly. I'm deciding that I want His salvation in my life. says this God does what is good because he is good and what he does is according to his word and his word is good he nor his character can change so all of him is good lastly his word 
overrules evil. No matter what choices you've made before, when you apply one choice from the Word of God in your life that you believe God's guided you to, it overrules the evil. His Word guides me into hope and peace. His Word carries me. That's why we must invite Him in. My prayer today, and a little bit longer than I plan to be today, but my, plan, my prayer today is this. And I'm asking you to help me pray the same thing today. You can come in just a moment. You can stay right there. But I would invite you, whatever the case is, for you to stretch your heart out, your mind out, your, your hands out. And you just say, God, I pray right now that you would give me the wisdom to make the right choices, to make strong choices. Would you right now in this place, as they get ready, we're going to sing. We're going to take a moment right now. We're going to do the right things. But I'm asking right now that you would... Whatever, however you need to respond, you might even find yourself kneeling down at your seat. You might come to this altar. No matter what you've been, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done wrong, no matter what the score against you is, what I'm inviting you to do right now is say, God, I need your wisdom. I don't just need knowledge of the Word, but I need wisdom. Wisdom surpasses the knowledge that I may not have. And wisdom helps me go through a place or into a place that I cannot go without you. I need the wisdom of God my life. God, I pray help us. God, I'm asking you, Jesus. I pray help every person. I pray help every family. I pray, God, you stir our minds and our hearts. God, I pray you help us to grow in you. I pray you'd help us to become more in you, to become better in you, God. I help, I pray you help us, God, to overcome our own perspectives and our own thoughts and our own ways and our own traditions. But God, that we would say rather that God, you give me wisdom to take me to a place that only, only you can take me, God, I pray. As they sing and you want to find a place or you want to come to this altar or you want to just stand where you are, I invite you to do whatever you feel right now, but you just reach out to me. Jesus. Jesus. Everything I give to you with Oh.